So you, at the time of recording, have not finished watching season three of Discovery, right? I have not started watching season three of Discovery. Oh, you haven't started? No, I finished season two and then uh, decided to shift gears and go watch season two of The Mandalorian next and then season three of Discovery after that. So yeah, I still haven't even started season three, but which is ironic because the whole reason I started watching Discovery at all in the first place was because I saw trailers for season three and thought it looked cool. (laughs) Um, It was just like, you know what, maybe I should give Discovery a chance. Yeah, I want to talk to you about Mandalorian off mic at some point, uh, because I've got a lot to say about that. But um, uh, season three of Discovery, I just wanted, obviously, if you're listening to this, you know we did not do a special on it when it came out, because we, that was just something that we weren't both caught up on um, at the time. But I think hopefully by the time that season four comes out, we'll both be current, and then um, maybe we can do a, a special on season four or something. But We'll see. But I just wanted to quick give like the little out of contract perspective on season three, uh, if that's okay. I won't spoil anything for you, but um, yeah, just, just, uh, yeah, it's, I think, you know, we're, we've gone on record on the show as like not really being super big fans of uh, Discovery. And I think that season three is the best season of the show so far. And it also like goes a long way toward doing away with some of the stuff that we don't like about uh, Discovery. So, like, it takes them to the future. So the weird technology stuff doesn't... uh, It doesn't... um, Isn't quite so glaring anymore of just, like... Yeah. Well, that's actually something funny that we haven't talked about. But you know what we always are talking about on the show about how when we do talk about discovery, we're always talking about how dumb it is that they have holograms on, <laughs> on, yeah. on discovery. So it's even more dumb because I didn't realize this the last time we had talked about this, but in like season four or five of DS nine, they introduce uh, hologram technology and they make such a big deal about like, Oh, look at this new thing that we're doing. Oh really? It's like being it's able like, to use it to communicate with others yeah. and stuff. And it's hilarious when they do it on uh, DS9 because all it is is it just like they have this like little like box area where the hologram can be, and then they just like there just is like a real person just standing like the actor in the just box. Stands there. Yeah, so it's just like they're just there, but it's like they were supposed to be like, oh, it's a hologram. <laughs> it's, it's it's really dumb, <laughs> but it's it's funny. And but then it's like if that's if they make such a big deal about in Deep Space Nine that like holograms are new tech, why? Do they have holograms all the time in the past? But anyway, we can't. We, we finally, not, finally yeah. ironed out the bugs. Two hundred um, years later. I mean, it does look better because it looks just like a real person because it is a real person. So it's not right. like you know they're not translucent anymore. I guess maybe that's better. I don't know. Anyway, you know they they move to the future, so like that's not a problem anymore, and they get rid of Ash Tyler and all of the Klingon subplots, which is the worst, probably the worst part of the show, is gone. And they make it a little bit more lighthearted and they make it a little bit more uh, mission of the week, which I think is also both both beneficial to it. And it's still just ultimately is just not something that I loved. Like, I, I think it's still a little bit it's still a little bit too like obsessed with its own like profundity. Um, hmm. And and I don't love most of the main characters. I, I love Saru and it's here the characters that I like, but I just it's just it's not I, i'm just gonna keep watching it because i because it's just like that's my thing I, i'm watching star trek shows and you know it is what it is and and like there's some good episodes even you know there's there's one episode in particular like the first episode of the third season it did actually make me like a little bit like a verklempt it's it's i think it's the best episode the show's done but 
uh, and not just because there is um, an alien uh, that is the race of Morn from oh, really? DS9 who has a gun, who has a, who has a cool gun. That's not the only reason why I like it so much, but that definitely is a reason. But um, yeah. See, like, I feel like that's like a Mandalorian type of thing of taking something that's kind of a, like a, will be recognizable as like a beloved thing by fans but they could just be like to everyone else it's just gonna be like oh there's just like an alien with a gun that we used in the story and like for people that are like ds9 heads are just like oh my god it's morn yeah yep i guess Um, sort of like how like when lower decks had the um whatever eric's is in oh yeah the mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah uh, the I actually that's my phone background right now is that is a picture of the of the I think it's a, his name is the alien race is a Lurian but like the picture of the Lurian from that episode holding like a big gun <laughs> but uh, anyway um, yeah so it's definitely better and there's some interesting concepts like ultimately I I, I really gotta get this is this has been true of all three seasons is that like by the time that they resolve the thing like the season the season long arc that they've been doing like i no longer care about it if i ever did care about it you know certainly like that's the case with like season two where it's like you know we talked about this off off the show but you know what like like by the time you get done watching season two you're like what what even was that about you know like and i and i also i don't care anymore and like that's kind of how i felt about season three i think the, the thing that's better about season three is that it's not the stakes are lower which i think is actually to the show's benefit because uh, the first it's not two... like all of sentient life. Yeah. If we fail, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this one it's it's much more like kind of like well we need to figure out how to make Starfleet a going concern again as opposed to like yeah if we don't like kind of like a tenet style all of reality is in jeopardy if we don't uh, solve this you know thing so uh, yeah I um yeah it's it's definitely better there's some good things about it um and like there's a new cast member who I I can't remember um his name right now but he uh, i i've been watching all of the wachowski movies uh, by myself and i uh it was weird because i just watched i just watched um all of uh season three of discovery and uh then he appeared as a as a like a a bounty hunter in uh jupiter ascending and i was like oh that's that guy that's the guy who plays um i can't even remember the character's name but i do like him though is that booker Um, booker yes okay and is yeah he's played by uh this falls within the realm of the Star Trek things I know solely because of timelines. Is he's played by uh, David Ahala, I believe is how you say his name, and he he's really good in the show. So, yeah, it's it's definitely definitely better. Um, I'm curious to see what you think of it, and I'm sure we'll chit chat about it at some point, and then um, eventually we'll talk about you know fear, further fear, further seasons of the show. Although that's something too that you know uh, I wanted to just kind of like I wonder what even the next star trek series is going to be because uh you know we had three different star trek shows come out in uh in 2020 we had uh picard and lower decks and season three of of discovery and they've announced they announced that they were going to make a second season of picard and a second season of lower decks and a, sec- and a fourth season of discovery and and then like they're going to do a couple of spin-off shows from discovery and and they also have the Nickelodeon show, the cartoon, and some other things too. Like I, apparently, there's actually going to be I not I just learned about this recently. There's going to be another another show that's going to be about like about Starfleet Academy, where it's going to be about a bunch of like ensigns like going to school uh, at Starfleet Academy or something, or, or cadets, I guess. Um, yeah, I think you've, that's the one that is going to have Kate Mulgrew in it, right? 
No, no, that's different. That's 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 oh, called okay. um, Star Trek Prodigy, and that's about a bunch of kids who find a derelict Star Trek or Star Star Starfleet vessel and kind of commandeer it, and then Janeway is their their mentor. But um, yeah, so they've got a ton of different things coming out, but then. Like all of them, all the live action ones, I, I think have all been kind of delayed because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Their productions, like, we're all supposed to start last year, and they they're they're like instead they're like about to start this year. So I was kind of I was like, oh, I bet you we'll, we'll probably get that Nickelodeon show. We're, we're probably gonna get more seasons of the cartoons before we get any live action stuff. Um, so I'm just I'm curious to see like when they'll get release date. I, I think like. 2020 is going to be a weird year for movies and TV because like 20 or 21, 21, I mean, because 2020, there was already a lot of stuff in the hopper from, from 2019, obviously. But I feel like now we're kind of starting to reach the end of that stuff. Anyway, we'll see. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Out of Contracts, the show where two guys who have seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard. And I'm Brady Jungle. And today we are talking about Half a Life, which is uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, Season 4, Episode 22, directed by Les Landau and story by, or written by, written by Ted Roberts and Peter Allen Fields. And uh, Les Landau, he's a, he's a pretty uh, big time director from this time period, I, I believe. It's a familiar sounding name. Um... And, uh, yeah, this is so the, the memory alpha, um, description of this episode is Loxana Troy causes trouble when she finds out that a scientist she has fallen in love with is due to commit ritual suicide. So this is, uh, as the, the episode would suggest our first Loxana Troy episode, which is very exciting because she is among the best all time, uh, Star Trek, like recurring guest stars, I think. Yeah. It's, it's not our first Mitchell Barrett episode, because I think we've had at least one that had Nurse Chapel in it, um, if, if only, I think, pretty yes. briefly. But. Yeah, but, yeah, but I remember hearing her voice and being like, oh, that's her, you know. Yeah. I mean, obviously, she, I mean, she's in almost every episode we do. Yeah, technically, she's, the the technically ship, she's but... yeah, she is also the computer, and so uh, she is in... She's also frequently the person who says, like previously on Star Trek, whatever, like for the oh, for the yeah. the two the second the the part twos part of the twos, yeah. yeah. But uh, this is, I would say, her greatest contribution to to Star Trek uh, canon. Is it Major Barrett uh, is the wife was the wife of Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek. And yeah, she played she played the voices she voiced the computer for like all of the '90s shows. And she um, played Nurse Chapel in the original series. In the original pilot to the original series, she played Number One, who is who was like the original first officer of of the Enterprise when um, Captain Pike was the captain of the Enterprise. And so she's done a lot of stuff. But I think, and I think you'd probably agree, right? Like, I'm, I mean, the, best... the computer's pretty good. I gotta say, yeah. <laughs> but I yeah, mean, she she does she does a great job with the computer voice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. she but, she's very uh, like iconic in that role. I feel like, but yeah, but uh, this this role of of Luxwana Troy, uh, who's yes. a, a Betazoid, who's Deanna Troy's mother. Um, I, she just turns in such a phenomenal performance every time. Yeah, uh, it's it's so great. Yep. So yeah, she's yeah. So Luxwana is um she is the yeah she's the mom of Deanna Troy who is a half human half Beta Z uh ship's counselor on the on the Enterprise in TNG, and uh, Beta Z Beta Z's or 
uh, Betazoids have the ability to uh, read people's minds if they're if they're full Betazoid. Now Deanna is only half, so she can't read people's minds, but she can she can she can talk to other Betazoids telepathically, and she can. Yeah, her um, telepathy's kind of I feel like sort of a little bit t- taken for what they need it to be, but generally it's more um, that she can sort of sense emotion. Yeah, which is like kind of you know. It's it's like not they they do they do a problem with um they have a problem with uh with her her power on TNG sometimes where it's kind of like well it can do as much or as little as we feel like it can do based on like whether we want her to be the person who solves the problem of the episode or not you know right yeah because because there are times where it's it seems like well this problem could be very easily solved if only we had someone who could like detect that because she does a lot of like detecting deception or not sensing deception usually um, yeah. or sensing that like someone is very stressed or there's something yeah. they're not telling us but yeah but Loxana can read people's minds and she does it all the time for fun and uh, also like there's a running gag on the show where she is constantly claiming that whenever she appears on the show I think she's on like six or seven episodes of the original series and or of TNG and then she's in two or three episodes of He's in three episodes of DS9. That there's a running gag where she, and you never know whether she's telling the truth or not. But she she claims that that John that Jean Luc Picard is super super attracted to her. Yeah. And you never know whether she's just like using that to like, kind of well, you make fun of him and make him uncomfortable. Yeah, because you, know, you kind of go like, well, you can't prove that you aren't thinking that, or if it's just like, or if it really is like he's annoyed with her, but he's also trying to repress his yeah. attraction to her. But she's she's like a super big like kind of brassy loud personality very flirty you know as opposed to diana who is not like shy but she's like a little bit more like reserved and yeah um, kind of proper yeah yeah and so yeah Luxana, she always introduces herself as uh daughter of the fifth house holder of the sacred chalice of ricks and heir to the holy rings of beta zed uh, whenever she introduces herself to a new person so yeah. she's She's, she she rules. She is uh, a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> she's and she later on I think becomes like an ambassador um, for the Federation, which is uh, kind of funny. But in this episode, she just is happens to be on the ship because she's hitching a ride from uh, wherever she was back to Beta Z, which which yeah. is also like this maybe the greatest. Um, this is the, this is we were kind of texting back and forth. I think this is probably the best Luxana episode, but also has maybe the best like personal log opener to any star trek <laughs> show yeah <laughs> which is just uh counselor diana troy personal log stardate 44805.3 my mother is on board <laughs> yes and then <laughs> and the first and, so they uh so yeah so it opens with kind of that is like a voiceover and then the first really shot we see is of uh picard just like very fearfully tr- like edging around a corner <laughs> Or stepping out yeah. of a turbo lift, I think, and just like looking both ways and like try, like clearly trying not to be seen. Yeah, and then uh, and then she finds him and uh, and flirts, or you know, tries to flirt yeah. with him, and then yeah, but but she's quickly distracted though because the this episode kind of like gets into it right away. I feel like yeah. So on this, basically, you know, the the what the Enterprise's main thing that they're doing right now, and she just kind of happens to be on board at the moment, but they pick up a a scientist from a planet called um, Kalon 2, from a planet called Kalon 2, um, which is a planet that the the sun of this planet is is slowly kind of degrading and dying. And they're, uh, they pick up one of their top scientists, who's named Dr. Timison, 
who has kind of his life's work has been this project to uh, use uh, photon torpedoes to sort of start a reaction within the sun to to bring its energy back and bring it back to life to save his whole planet. Um, yeah, their their planet is kind of experiencing like a uh, a Krypton style. You know, I guess in so- yeah, yeah, like a, a Krypton style like s- slow death of the sun. You know. Also, the the actor who I think does a good job in this uh, of the actor plays Timison is um, uh, David Ogden Steers. Yeah, no, a and, number of like significant guest stars in this episode, but yet. Yeah, he's he's a, done a ton of uh, voiceover work. Like like Kim was my wife. Kim was looking him up, and he he for example voiced uh, Cogsworth from uh, from Beauty and the Beast among other, many other things. Yeah. Um, but he's probably he's probably best known for um, Mash. He was uh, Winchester in oh in the sure, old sure, Mash sure. TV okay. show. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, um, and my fa- my favorite uh, TV guest star though. You've never watched uh, Twin Peaks, have you? No, I haven't. Okay, my favorite guest star in this is the guy. Uh, I don't even remember his name, but like the guy who assists um, Luxon all the time. The really tall guy who doesn't talk. Oh yeah, Mister um, uh, Home, maybe. Maybe yeah, like and uh, there's yeah. She just has like this alien butler who hangs out with her all the time and never speaks. And um, I love him. And one reason I do love him is I think he's good in Star Trek, but also he plays. For anyone out there who's listening to this who has seen Twin Peaks, he plays like the weird uh, man in Twin Peaks who like says like it is happening again and the owls are not what they seem like in all of the dream sequences. So he's you know a very iconic uh, weird tall you know gaunt man uh who is who's who has played that role in multiple things but uh great on twin peaks so yeah. it's always a pleasure to to see him the, uh, the spiritual predecessor of doug jones sure yeah yeah <laughs> probably not as flexible as doug jones but uh yeah and so they they pick up dr timison and as soon as she's so Luxwana is with uh kind of the captain and then a few members of the bridge crew when they're on the in the transporter room when he beams aboard and she's just kind of very immediately like very interested in him and starts you know introduces herself to him and just decides that she's going to kind of take him on the tour of the ship and just kind of keep him entertained while he's here and that they're just going to be best friends right away mm-hmm. and this is when uh, LaForge turns to uh, Chief O'Brien and says well that man's in a lot of trouble and so <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll, I'll... I would say too. Uh, first time, I think this is the first time we've watched. Isn't this the first time we've watched an O'Brien uh, TNG episode with O'Brien in it for the podcast? I it it might be. I don't remember noticing it before. I'm sure. I mean, we've watched a good amount of TNG. I'm sure he must have appeared. But yeah, I don't feel like we've noticed. I was so pleased. I was so pleased to see him because I mean, he doesn't do anything in this episode. I think he has like one line or something. But but uh, yeah, I love O'Brien. I, I like I like him on on. Uh, TNG, and then in DS9, uh, he's so 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 good, and it was just such a pleasure to be like, oh yeah, this is where he got his got his start, old Cole Meany over That's here. Right. But uh, yeah, it just again, he doesn't do anything, but I was just I was just very pleased to see him there. Yeah, and so so then Timison starts working with mostly with Jordy and Data, I think, um, to to develop this, you know, kind of develop this uh, scientific photon torpedo thing that they're going to do in the sun and they run a bunch of simulations yeah. and they're kind of working very late and and then meanwhile Luxana Troy will kind of come in and tell him you know oh you guys are working too hard you need to take a break and they'll and take and she'll take him back for dinner and um, <laughs> kind of develop this close relationship 
Well, the first time that she tells them they need they need to they need to take a break, they're they're all in the uh, they're all in the engineering room, and Doctor Simmons like, "Oh yeah, you're right. We should take we could do so we could take a break." And then she throws a picnic or like a dinner table cloth over the engineering table, <laughs> like like they're just gonna have like a picnic on the on the engineering, engineering. display. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, and so. So their their kind of friendship very quickly develops and they become close and kind of open up to each other. So th- so then they they do their first test at the actual like at the at the system's sun, and they you know they shoot in the the torpedo and at first it looks like everything is is going like it's supposed to, um, you know, and it's it's a very I feel like kind of the sci-fi th- way of telling you what the, what is happening is they t- they sort of establish that there's a specific number that is good. I think they say like the you know the temperature inside the sun has to get to I forget what the and Jordy says like well it has to get to you know 212 and then they like mm-hmm. start counting up and they're like you know 201 202 and then they like get to 211 and everyone's real excited and they think it's working and then it stops and then it starts going down again and sort of and and kind of the and the for for some reason it, this is fail or it, does it make it all the way I think no no, I think it, it it gets up and then it keeps getting hotter and then it doesn't it like blow up like that. Don't they have to like fly? Oh, that's really right. Because they're yeah, that's it. Is they're they're doing this not at at their sun. They're they're like testing it on another like a similar a star somewhere with, else. With that, yeah, that doesn't have like a inhabited planet that it's right. Um, and and at first it thinks it worked. They think it worked, but then it keeps getting hotter and hotter and hotter, and then the and then the star explodes. This this, this is like the one complaint i had about this episode it's very small but like even if it worked the amount maybe there's like an astro an, an astrophysics person who could answer this i'm sure a lot better than me but like the amount of degrees that it goes up is even to like the point where they want it to be is huge and so i was kind of like wouldn't like that amount of degree difference already have screwed the planet or like if it did heat up that significantly that quickly that fast, wouldn't like, that mess up the planet like like it just yeah seemed you like would a, think like the the effect on the climate would definitely be like even if it was still within like a sort of the range that can support life just changing that fast yeah right because you know that's the thing we always talk about you know people always talk about the climate change on earth is that like if you you know if if the global temperature changes like a couple of degrees then that's extremely bad forever you know it it just seemed like that was a a, such a drastic thing to do to that star but no one ever talks about it so yeah you know i mean maybe maybe it's a good thing it didn't work um (laughs) right does everyone just they'd all get burned to a crisp yeah yeah and then and basically luxwana comes and tries to kind of console timison because he's just incredibly sort of devastated by the fact that this ex- experiment didn't work and when she's asking him you know like kind of why is it such a big deal can't you just go back and you know you're still you know kind of just go back and keep working harder and like take time to perfect it and try again and he says that this was really his last chance to make like his life's work happen because he's about to turn 60 years old and on his planet everyone once they reach the age of 60 they uh commit I mean, it's, I guess it's ritual suicide. That sounds much worse than it kind sounds of how different he makes when it, it sound. Is. Yeah, when he says, it, yeah, it sounds better. They they self they self euthanize basically. Yeah, and sh- and she gets like very very upset about this and tries to convince him not to or convince Picard to stop him. Um, and as they talk about it, he talks about it kind of in you know within his culture, it was this thing that they had established 
you know, many generations ago that they got tired of people kind of passing the, um, the peak of their life and then becoming dependent on their family. And, and so on their 60th birthday, while they were still kind of at the, while they were still at their kind of highest point in life, that they would Mm -hmm. end their life at that time in a very, like, you know, with their family around them and as sort of a celebration and, and then at they kind of it, it gave sort of the order to their culture that this was just a known thing that could happen that would happen and people wouldn't get like old and sick and kind of waiting for death to come to them they would face it on their own terms and so mm-hmm. you know in his culture this is considered just not only just a normal thing and like how things are but a very you know this is considered like kind of the best way to do it and kind of how they've established as a a good way of approaching with it and she makes all the arguments against it of but you don't know how long you could live and like how much good you can do in that time and like you you know you say you know some people might get sick much earlier than that and like some people might live and be like high functioning and productive for decades after that um and she has a really and uh and then Luxana has a a really good scene with Deanna Troy with her daughter where she's talking kind of when she first finds out about this where they're talking about it and yeah that's my favorite scene in the in the episode I think that's really good yeah um because you kind of get this sense that you know she's very set like she doesn't want to lose Timison because they've gotten very close um and she's upset and and feels like he's being taken away from her but there's the sense that kind of it always also is making her think of her own sort of mortality as well. You know, because she says, she says like, he's going to happen when he's only 60. Like, what? what's 60? That's nothing. And then she says something like about, like, just how, like, she gets tired now in a way that she never got tired before. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's really good because it, it's, it's. Because yeah, you're right. Like it's she's talking about herself, and she's talking about him. But she's also just talking about how like the society, like the way that their society kind of like has decided to basically deal with people who they find to be inconvenient. You know, like so she's kind of like trying to process all of these things at once in a way that is really like sad and like. But just she does a really good job like acting, acting. You know, going through like that the process too. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, and that's when uh, Deanna Troy has a really good line where she says to Luxwana that, you know, she will never be one of those people that die before they die. You know, that she mm-hmm. she is so, like, full of life and kind of lives the most of every day that, that she's not going to just kind of, like, fade away or, or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think in general, like, this is just a very, you know, I think sometimes the Luxwana Troy episode, she, because she is such a kind of bombastic, over-the-top personality, they're kind of funnier episodes and can be you know more of just a lot of them are more about the effect that her presence has on kind of our regular star trek crew right like it's Mm -hmm. like how does picard deal with her being around and how does deanna troy deal with her mom being on the ship and those kinds of things and i feel like this was a really good just very kind of like personal and real and serious thing for like for her character that's just really well done while still being like enjoyable and it's funny in parts too yeah it's actually i wrote that down i think that a lot of the time on a lot of star trek shows maybe even most of all tng i think that when you try to do episodes about guest stars they just are not usually as compelling i think i think like most guest Mm. stars like work better as a as a spice than they do as 
a as like a main course. So you kind of bring but, them on to mix things up so that we see like how our yeah our beloved characters deal with them. But I think like I think uh, conversely, like I think that Loxana usually her episodes her episodes are better the more they are about her. Like she yeah. she be, I think because she just like Major Barrett. You know we were saying this last week with uh, or last time with. Um, with Ricardo Montalban on the Khan episode. But I think that, like, Major Barrett, like, she just owns the screen when she's on the screen. You know, she just, yeah. like, she's... And, and so, like, when you get an episode that's, like, about her, uh, it really is just, like, uh, that's... You just want to live in that space. And so I think that this, this really is such a showcase for her to be able to kind of, like, give the full range for that character that yeah it's really good um you know whereas like i i just watched a ds9 episode with her in it and it's or you know if you uh, you know a few months ago i watched one where it's like it's fine but she's like not the main character she's just kind of like there and the whole time you're kind of like why is she here like what is what is going on with her and like and then you kind of find out something at the end and it's like oh okay that's weird but it almost is like maybe the episode should have been about her and what her deal was because almost she's almost like distracting from like the rest of the hmm. Like cast. if you bring her in and then use her as a B plot, it's kind of a yeah. And where she's she's such a good like set piece for for these things. So yeah, she yeah that's that scene is just so good with her and Indiana. Yeah, I and she has like similar scenes to that like with Picard and with Timison too, where she they're kind of like going back and forth and all this stuff. Yeah, which I want to talk about, but I kind of want to wait till we, I want to get a yeah. So because this is an episode where a lot of it is taken up by kind of. It's, it's very much like a, a debate of, you know, different people presenting different sides of an argument and kind of uh, sort of talking back and forth with one another. And essentially what uh, the, she actually does for a time convince Timison to to stay with the Enterprise instead of going back to his planet to to die, to stay. And, and the main reason they do so is by conv- because he because of this project that he's working on to save his son, uh, like the celestial body son yeah not his uh, the son of his uh, planet yeah Yeah. that you know that he's the expert on this and he's like the only person that can do it better than anyone else and if he just had more time uh he could save the whole planet and if if he died now then that would kind of be a loss to everyone and and this causes very much like a inner like a, a diplomatic incident between the Federation and and his planet, and um, who his his planet actually is going to like fire on the Enterprise. Yeah, like, they send so like ships to attack the Enterprise because they can't allow <laughs> him to be like to not participate. And then they send his yeah. daughter onto the ship to um, to try to convince him. Well, b- before that, I just want to say you know this is going to be very short, but but I just wanted to, I had to acknowledge this because this is I think probably the most esoteric like small detail i've ever written for and as a note for what they're doing this podcast right. which is that a couple times you see them talking on the view screen with um minister batardat is the name of the of like the minister who who is like wants timison to come back and kill himself and uh i i would encourage you to like go back and like look at screenshots of this or maybe it's it might even be like on his picture in memory alpha uh no it's not you can't it's it's only like it's a close-up on him but but uh he is at the weirdest looking desk i've ever seen on the show because he's just surrounded by a bunch of containers of water but not like water bottles like it almost looks like you know like um here if you like go to a buffet like uh, 
kids for the young people there used to be these things called buffets yeah, before right. coronavirus back, back when people, people would, would actually would eat somewhere eat, other than the, their house <laughs> yeah yeah they would eat all out of the same bowl like a bunch of disgusting animals uh <laughs> but um anyway you know like you go to like a buffet where there's like cold food and like there is there's like a pla- like a clear plastic container that has like ice water in it and that's like keeping the food warm that's or cold mm-hmm. that's like uh, over it there's a bunch of like those kind of containers like all over his desk that are filled with water <laughs> i didn't even I notice like, what that is, i was like what is going on in this guy's office like they don't explain it they just they're just there and i'm like what strange um set dressing but anyway i just uh i, was just very <laughs> I didn't weird catch that. that that's we were, great so yes, but anyway, the, the, so his his daughter, who is played by, did you see his daughter? I, I saw this. Yeah, I thought that was really yeah. interesting. Yeah, so his daughter is played by Michelle Forbes, who plays Ensign Rowe uh, uh, in a few episodes of of TNG. Who is a great, who is the show's first Bajoran character, and just like a great character, and um, was originally considered for the Mage Akira part. Like they wanted that to be Rowe yeah. in in DS Nine originally, and. Um, She's really good. Yeah. And she's good in this episode too. Um Yeah. Well apparently her like her performance in this episode was what made them decide they wanted to bring her back and give her a more recurring role. Yeah. And I, yeah, obviously that does happen sometimes. Uh it made me think about, you know, hopefully this doesn't bring down the mood too much, but it made me think about the the, the show that I've seen like that has done that the most notably was uh the Cosby show. Like there's there's a character that one of the one of the daughters dates at some point who then they they hi- they hired him to like be a recurring guest star as uh Denise like the second oldest daughter like her husband but like oh, like originally like he was just like I think he was just like a dude who dated uh Sandra at one point or something and uh then later on just in like became... an episode interesting yeah that's a lot sorry sorry folks yeah. there's just a lot of uh, useless Cosby show information in my head that I really don't have anything yeah, to do that is... with that information anymore for obvious reasons. Yeah. So Martin, I believe, is the character's name on the Cosby show that he ends up being. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that's uh, she's but she's good. She's that, that's a good little scene um, where she tries to convince her dad to come back to the planet and kill and kill himself. Yeah. Basically saying that, you know, like he you know, this like this is something that his family has should be able to share with him and that he's like taking away from from them and that he would be an outcast and like they wouldn't be it wouldn't be able to like see them in anymore and kind of um yeah it's a very and so in the end he does decide to to go back to his planet and and kind of go through with this and Luxwana in the end decides to come come with him to be to be able to be with him for that um they call it the uh, the resolution yeah kind of this this ceremony where um sort of everyone's like family and loved ones are are with them as they do this it's like a funeral before you die sort yeah. of yeah um and that i think is is how the episode ends is them him and Luxana uh hold hands and and beam down to the planet together yeah uh, so i want to talk about and i imagine you probably do too but i i want to talk about like all of like the kind of how we treat the elderly metaphor going on in the show Right. Like that, like that's, that's like the thing about it. Like it's, it's very, you know, it's like, this is like in a lot of ways, like an extremely original series type episode of the show where it's like, we meet an alien race and they do something that's like pretty weird. Like, you know, like they, like they, they have like the purge or they do that thing where like they have the computer program where they don't do wars anymore, but instead they have the, the program that like simulates who should die. And And they just like send them in the gas chambers or whatever. Yeah. Right. It's very much like that. And so, and, 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 but like, then like the real point of it is like, isn't that just a lot like how we do things today, you know? Um, and right. 
which I like. I like I like episodes like that. I, I enjoy when when the show does that. And it obviously it's very well done too. It's just like the acting is really good and the writing and stuff. But I think it's really good. It's really well written the way that the show is where it, at first it's like what he's saying about like why he does this. It kind of sort of makes sense, at least like the way he's arguing for it. But then as the show goes on, you're kind of like, oh, no, this is like extremely screwed up. It, it's yeah, it's like because, kind of about how because the other characters like looks funny, especially kind of make all the like valid arguments against it of just like. What, why did you just randomly pick like one specific age and like you know yeah. what about but but the but it's not even yeah that's part of it but that I think like the the thing about it though too is that like I think that you it's kind of revealed more and more as the show goes on that like this is a man it's it's mandatory so like because it's like you know I think if people you know decide they want to you know commit physician assisted suicide or whatever at a certain point if like for for whatever reason like you know i think that that's something you should very strongly uh be sure that you want to do right like but you know before you would you know but i i'm not i'm not saying like if you're if you're someone who has like a terminal illness and you decide that like you want to that's the way you want to go like i'm not you know I don't know how you feel about this. I guess I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious how you feel about that because you you know, you're in the medical profession. But like to me, I'm kind of like, well, if that's what you feel is best, I respect your autonomy. I suppose. I don't know. How do you feel? Yeah, about I mean, that? I think that's, it's that's it's definitely first. yeah. I think there's there's a situation where it and it's there's a situation where it definitely is a um, like it's it's at the very least a discussion worth having, right? Of just like mm-hmm. you can you can make a case for that actually being the more humane and the better thing is, you know, is a way of like ending suffering. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then kind of you get into the, I guess it sort of parallels the Death Wish episode of Voyager. We, we watched a little bit of like, well, then what, yeah. what exactly can you consider to be suffering? And obviously there's a lot of kind of nuance that you get into there. Yeah. But yeah, but if it is something that like someone is like making a choice for their own like relief of suffering or like that they have decided is going to be what they want is was the best for them. You can definitely make a case for it. Yeah. And it, I think too, it's, it's interesting too, because I think the one, one way the show kind of like originally kind of gets you to be like, Oh, maybe he's not entirely off base is because he talks about kind of the very direct parallels to the way that we treat the elderly sometimes in the United States and other places too. But like where it's kind of like this thing of, well, they get carted off to nursing homes and they become like, like we don't, we didn't want them to be, you know, we didn't want them to have like a bad end of life. Yeah. That they just kind of seem like unwanted and like no one visits them and they're just kind of, yeah, not, it's, it's a sad existence. Yeah. Not like, feeling like they're living uh you know like the sort of contrast what we see with luxana where you know regardless of her age she is living life to kind of the fullest and making the most of every day yeah and i think you know certainly like there are definitely real issues to be had with like how we kind of like treat older people as like disposable all the time or like as not necessarily having even like you know i've just heard so many people like this you know it's kind of an apt episode to do during covid times because i've i have heard like a lot of people who have who excuse like the deaths count as like well it's like mostly people who are like Uh above the the life expectancy you know like most people who have died are people who are like in their 80s or whatever yeah it's like it's like well they're kind of like well you they've already kind of reached their expiration dates like who cares you know that's a pretty which is like um, is awful 
yeah, it's 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 an awful, awful, you know, attitude that these people have. But it is an attitude that I've seen people have. And they're just like, well, it's just like it's all old people. They would have died anyway. And so I definitely think that there are like, so you're kind of like not on his side right away, but you're kind of like, oh, okay. Like, I, I guess I understand what he's Yeah, why this is saying. Like, why this is something he like feels is the right thing to do. Yeah, but but then as the episode goes on, you kind of realize that like this is just them doing that early. Like like it's it's just them they figure out a way to do that without feeling guilty about it because they've turned it yeah, into like this and like save money thing. Yeah. And, and and like there's an even and like it's they have, you know, it's it's a state enforced thing. Yeah. And, like, and I think that's where it kind of takes a turn for like the darker is when like the government of the planet is willing to like send warships to attack another another government to enforce this to like not let somebody not go through with this. Yeah, and, you know, and there's even there's even like a, a line where where uh, Oksana says to him like, "What about your research?" And he's like, "I am a bigger threat to them than a dying son." Like that, that basically like if I resist what they're doing, like that's going to upset their social order, and yeah. and it's like this thing where it's. They're they're so. I was just struck by so much by like how how not just with like elderly people, but just with so many like you know disadvantaged people groups. Like you know our country will like basically that like we'll do things that will hurt ourselves because it's inconvenient. You know like there are there are you know there are like compassionate like social programs and stuff the United States could like enact, but we won't because like somewhere someone would be put out. Yeah, and then. Again, same as in the United States, like that. Not only that, with that scene with Michelle Forbes, with Dara is his daughter's name, is that like it? She is like ashamed of him, and she says like I grew up believing this and stuff. And it's like it's become this thing where it's it's indoctrinated into these people from like birth. This is how things go, and it's like a moral, and it's like it's become like a moral imperative, and it's become like Mm -hmm. a patriotic imperative to do this. And so like basically, you have the state has like trained these people to take actions that benefit the state over their own lives and then like to be told like that's actually like the moral thing to do and it becomes like this thing where it's like it's just so insidious the way that yeah because even when even when he for a time decides to 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 live to because he does that to keep continuous research for him he still treats that as a sacrifice like he feels like he is doing the wrong thing but just doing it for like kind of a higher calling type of thing but he you get the sense that for him it's still a sacrifice and he thinks that like because he knows he's he's never going to see his family again he's not going to be allowed back on the planet or anything like that yeah and 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 again because he for like all of his like cultural memory has been indoctrinated with this like he feels like you know he will be he will start kind of like wasting away and declining and all of these things that he kind of believes is what happens if you live for too long mm-hmm. and he, but he, and he's willing to like make that personal sacrifice in order to continue his work um but you can tell that he's doing it not because like for himself but for the his like experiments because then as soon as they kind of come to the conclusion that like he says he's a greater threat to his world than the dying son and that they wouldn't even use his like the results of his work anyways if he were to do it um, because he would be such an outcast, that's when he decides to just go back and, um, yeah. and go through with the resolution. And, and like, it's kind of a bittersweet ending. It's obviously very sad that he has to go back and die. You, I think he kind of regains a little bit of agency over the process because like he does ultimately like choose to go back. Like they, the, the, the enterprise would have offered him asylum if they had, if he had asked, if he had decided he wanted it. But like it, 
it's just it's like a very like kind of dark ending and it's just kind of like he basically is like this needs to change but like i am not I'm not a revolutionary. Like I'm not the person who's going to do it, and that's yeah. not going to like accept like my fate. And yeah, I just I don't know. It was really it's one of the, it's one of those episodes. You know, we've talked about this before. Like where it's like it's one of those episodes where I watch this episode. And I'm like I don't understand how all the people who are who are on the show like not all of them maybe, but like how so many of them kind of like you know twenty years thirty years later kind of became like middle of the road liberals <laughs> instead of like instead of like hardcore like leftist socialists because it's like yeah. the the perspective of this show is just like of this episode in particular is just like so like kind of anti-capitalist sort of anti-imperialist to me it see it feels that way to me anyway and yeah. it, it seems like so much more like radical in its depiction of like how we should feel about like the way that like the state and like capital interests like uh, control our lives that then like you know, then uh, not to single. Well, I am going to single. Not to say I am singling someone out. Like you know, for then to have. Um, why can't I think of the woman who plays uh, Deanna's name? Right oh, now. Uh, Marina uh, Sirtis. Yeah, to have Marina Sirtis like on Twitter being you know getting mad at people who uh, you know have any criticism of Joe Biden. You know, it's just like that's <laughs> uh, it, it's it, it's 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 like you you don't I don't understand sometimes like how. There aren't more Star Trek cast members who are radical. I mean, like it's just yeah. it's just a job. I mean, that's why it's ultimately it's it, it is like a job, you know. But it yeah, it's just it, it, yeah. This episode, I just I I don't know. It just really is good. It's just really good. It's it's it, it, like I love the point that it's making. It's just like super. I think incisive in its own way. But yeah, managing to be like sad and funny at, at the same time. And yeah, it's really good. I think it's like it's probably one one of the best one of the best like issue oriented. TNG episodes. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And like you said before, like definitely one of the best sort of guest star episodes. Like it's, mm -hmm. you know, most of the screen time is taken up by these, t by the two guests. Um, mm -hmm. You get kind of individual scenes where you'll see each of our like main cast members, but it's not, you know, it's, it's not primarily focused really on any of the, like, I don't, you know, like, I don't even know if Riker is in this episode at all. I think, yeah, I think he just kind of is standing around, around in a couple of scenes yeah, like on the bridge. Like, or I feel like most of the most of the main cast are like in a scene or two, just kind of when the story needs their role. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's very much crushes in like one scene. Yeah, you know? but it, it's very much like Luxana Troy and and Timison, just like both doing a really good job with um, with their performances. Yep. Yeah, but. Um... Yeah, I, I yeah, I would definitely say check this one out if you haven't. Uh, it's it's good, and hopefully, you know, we'll run into some other uh, good recurring guest star people. You know, we've not done anything with Mud yet. We've done one Q, one Loxana, um, one Barkley, yeah, and then like like the DS Nine recurring characters. Those are that's kind of like a horse of a different color because like those characters are all like they're more less recurring. Like, they're yeah, they're they're kind of more like Gunther from Friends than they are than they are like. Janice from Friends, I guess you know to, sure. to, to use like the example two, you know two different types of characters on on the show. So like yeah, yeah I mean like it. Uh, I don't know that a like, Gul Dukat counts in the same way that like Luxana does, but yeah, the uh, yeah yeah she, Luxana's great, and then this episode is just like a great a great Luxana episode. But yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, I think that does, about does it for us. Uh, unless you had anything else. Nope. It was... So um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Our show comes out every other week. So in two weeks, you can come back here, and we are doing uh, another TNG episode. We are doing uh, Next Generation Season 1, Episode 22, 
uh, Symbiosis, uh, which I have not watched yet, but it's a season one TNG episode, so good luck. <laughs> we shall see. <laughs> it's, a, yeah, it's a TNG uh, season one episode with a name that I don't remember what the episode is, which generally probably means that it's not a great one, but we'll we'll check it out. Remind me, actually, next time we record, I, I just watched a documentary about the very troubled production of the first three seasons. Oh, yeah, you of, were telling uh, me a little about that. And yeah, it, it really, I think, sheds a light on what was going on in those hmm. in those years. Um, so we can talk about that a little bit next time. But uh, yeah, you can come back then. Uh, in the meantime, you can check out the other shows on the Kaleidoscope Media Network, which we are a, one of the podcasts that belongs to that. Uh, we've got uh, Here's Johnny, which is a horror media podcast. We've got uh, That's Not How Science Works, which is a science pop culture podcast. And there's Wizard Studies, which is a Harry Potter podcast. Check uh, any of those uh, out if you're interested in any of that stuff. Uh, the Harry Potter podcast, by the way, extremely uh, uh, open and accepting and not <laughs> not uh, not pro uh, ro- where where J.K. Rowling is these days, so don't worry about that. Uh, I have to. I feel like I have to like throw that disclaimer in every every few episodes yeah. just to just in case. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so definitely you know check those things out, and uh, you know in two weeks you can come back. Uh, you know for us, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, contracts, or you can email us at outofcontracts at gmail or you can go on our website, which is outofcontracts at Sorry, autocontracts.podbean.com. Contracts is spelled C-O-N-T-R-E-K-S. And so, yeah, until next time, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks, everybody. Bye.